Hello, I'm Morgan Vincent. Welcome to Let God Speak. The book of Hebrews describes Jesus as the sovereign creator, the divine Lord and truly God. Yet Hebrews also describes Jesus as our fully human, merciful redeemer and our brother. He's our faithful high priest in heaven. Today we are going to discuss why Jesus became fully human and what it means that Jesus, who is truly God, is also truly our brother. On our panel today, we have Mike Browning and John Cosmeyer. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. As always, let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you today and we're thankful for this opportunity. As we open your word, we pray for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide not just us, but also our viewers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to begin and look at this concept of redeeming and It's crucial to understand this because Jesus is God and he is man. And to understand this concept of redemption, we see it central to Israel. And Mike, I want to ask you, why is it necessary to understand this concept of redeeming? Redeeming? It was an essential part of the Israelite economy Mm. um, because while when the Israelites first went into the promised land, everybody was allocated land. Mm-hmm. Wonderful way to start your life and your family. Sure. And um, but as time went by, some people would inevitably get into debt, have to sell some land off. Um, but the sale was always subject to redeeming. And there's that word, um, because um, no generation was to remain landless. That was God's plan. It was a beautiful plan, actually. And of course, it has a beautiful Um, um, illustration for us. It is a beautiful illustration for us of what Jesus as our Redeemer has done for us. But it could actually get worse than just selling your land because Mm -hmm. um, people, if they got to the place where they were still in debt and still in trouble and no land left, they could actually sell themselves into slavery. Mm. Um, And so redeeming became absolutely essential to reset that whole thing. Okay. No, thank you. Look, John, in the civil laws that, that God gave Moses at Sinai, there were regulations for the restoration of the land and the freedom of the slaves. And that came by way of the Jubilee. I'm wondering if you can tell us how this Jubilee system worked. When you go to Leviticus chapter 25, there were listed some instructions here, reading from verse 11 in the New King James The 50th year shall be a jubilee to you. In it, you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. Mm. For it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its produce from the field. And in this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possessions. Now, I'm going to read this because it's a bit legal. And so I've got to get this right. (laughs) It says to prevent over time all the land falling into ownership of a few successful wealthy businessmen like today, where 80 percent of the wealth of the world is owned by 20 percent of the people. 
and poor people going to slavery, like Mike has just said, and everyone else being a landless class of renters, every 50th year was a jubilee. In that year, all debts were forgiven. Land was returned to the original owners. I think that's families because Mm -hmm. some of them died before 50 years. Slaves were freed. Sale of land then really amounted to a long-term lease based upon years left to Jubilee. And the value of slaves was determined by the remaining years until the Jubilee. To be alive and an adult during the Jubilee, I think would have been a very interesting time. Mm, Very, yeah, yeah. No, thank you you for that, John. So the Jubilee in some ways was like a, a great reset really, and a way of returning society back to its original owners every 50th year. But if you were sold as a slave and you're waiting for the next Jubilee, that can be a long time. Mm. Very long. Uh, (laughs) Tell us, Mike, how how was the land or even the slaves, what could be redeemed between the Jubilees? Okay, so now we move from the word redeeming to the word redeemer. Okay. And uh, a near kinsman, that is a, a family member, Um, could step in at any time. And this is the interesting thing. At any time after the sale of the land or the person going into slavery, at any time the Redeemer could come along and pay the debt. Mm. If he had the money, he could do that. It's rather interesting, still reading on in Luke chapter, sorry, Leviticus chapter 25. In verse 23, that's where it says, the land shall not be sold permanently for the land is mine, says the Lord. That's really interesting. He says, mine, I'm giving it to you, each individual family. And then he goes on to say in verse 25, if one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if this redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Mm. And the person who's bought the land has no option. He has to um, accept the redemption payments. Um, Verse 26, or if the man has no one to redeem it, but he himself becomes able to redeem it, an inheritance maybe, whatever, windfall of some kind. Mm then let him count the years since its sale and restore the remainder to the man to whom he sold it, that he may return to his possession. So it was a beautiful plan that they had. And God was saying something to the people. I think God is wanting the people to support one another, to care and love for one another. Um, it, was a, it was a wonderful thing that if a person got into trouble, at least he had a backstop of a relative or relatives. And that was a, a fa- very strong and large family culture in Israel. And so it would be most likely that you'd have some relatives and hopefully some with a little money mm-hmm. who would be prepared to redeem you. Mm. Okay, to, to, to follow on from this, John, I want to ask you, what were the obligations of a near kinsman within society? To explain these legal legalities, let's start with verse 25 of the same chapter. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possessions. And if his redeeming relatives comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. And so here at this time, there were actually four things that happened. That was just one of them. First one was to buy back property that one of near kin had sold to someone. The second activity was to buy back the freedom of one near of kin who had of necessity sold themselves into slavery. You imagine you being a slave and then somebody comes along and redeems you. Not a bad idea. Mm. 
Quite a relief. Thirdly, avenge the blood of a near kinsman slain by an enemy. What sort of implications does does that have? Where you as a kinsman are asked to do something to help resolve the situation of somebody that's been hurt, either intentionally or unintentionally, but God put in place the safeguard that you were treated fairly. Justice. This was to bring justice. Absolutely. And then the fourth point, to marry, this is a good one, the childless widow of a near kinsman. And a good example of that was Boaz in Ruth, Mm. where all of a sudden this man who'd been single all his life and suddenly discovers that here's a lady and she has no children Mm. and she has no husband because he died. Now, this man, it was imposed upon him to do something to help this lady. Well, of course, in Boaz, it was one of those wonderful stories where he ended up marrying and they had a child and she actually became an ancestor of, uh, of Jesus. Mm. And so you were never on your own. There was always a family there to help you. And, mm. and this is what our lesson is about for yeah. today. And that is this, of course, transfers from the Old Testament with the relatives doing it to the New Testament, where not only do the relatives do it, but in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is there mm. as that's our the brother. One, that's the wonderful thing about yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. No, thank you, John. And that's, that's a really good transition. And, and I want to read uh, from, from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. And the Bible says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, he himself rather, this is speaking of Jesus, Likewise, partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 15 and deliver all those who through fear of death. This is going back to some of the things we've been talking about, the fear of death or uncertainty. But here, Jesus. For these who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels that he helps but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Hmm. Now, with this verse in mind, Mike, what, what, how is Jesus described in these verses? Okay, well, um, bearing in mind the Old Testament Redeemer was telling us about the things that Jesus does mm-hmm. for us as our Redeemer and, um, and things that we could not do for ourselves, mm-hmm. like the slave and the person who's lost his land and has got no money. He's powerless. He's absolutely without anything he can do about it. But then someone comes in, a a kinsman redeemer, a family member who has the resources to redeem him and pay his debts. And it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us here. Jesus became one of us. And it's rather interesting that this is this scripture that you read in verse chapter two, verse 14 of Hebrews there is telling us that Jesus became took on himself humanity Mm. for the purpose of redeeming us to become our kinsman redeemer. He had to become one of us. That was Mm. part of um, what had to happen. And it's a lovely picture. I notice in verse 11, um, it talks some more about that. And and verse 12, um, verse 11 says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. 
for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, mm. our brothers. He's not ashamed to be called our brothers. And I'm really kind of very encouraged by that. It's a lovely thing to think that the creator himself says that kind of mm. thing because that's what Jesus was. He was our creator. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. Again, he calls mm. um, his, his family here, those who believe in him, his brethren, his brothers. Mm. So our Redeemer has come to provide what we could not do for ourselves. Wow. It's, it, that's a message of hope, mm. really. Tremendous. That is, I want to, to go now, John, I want to ask you, why is it important that Paul is, is referring to Jesus as our brother, as our Redeemer, and especially in the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32, reading down to verse 34, where it says, But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering. When they became Christians, mm. they were automatically persecuted, and as a result, they suffered. Partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulation, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had, comp had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you had a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Here we have Jesus coming down from his universe, mm. from his palace, from his everything, where he lived, what he did, and so on. And he comes down here and all of a sudden he becomes a partaker in the persecution and in the suffering and, of course, ultimately the, the death on the cross. And this is where Jesus becomes our brother mm. because he understands what we are going through. And we have an amazing God mm. that he is a partaker in that very thing. Mm. You know, it reminds me in Hebrews 11, this great faith chapter of the Bible. And, and I want to draw <clears throat> on the life of Moses. <clears throat> and in Hebrews 11, I'll read from verse 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. In verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And I want to, to ask you, Mike, in what ways was Moses an example of Jesus? Yeah, well, in this beautiful illustration that you've just read, um, Moses, um, the stepson of Pharaoh's daughter. All right, this was the greatest nation in the world at that time, rich beyond our wildest dreams. He had everything, riches, prestige, and everything that the heart could desire, physically and humanly speaking. And Moses decided to, to let that go and step down and unite himself visibly with a nation of slaves, the Israelite people, who were his relatives, of course. Um, and he did this because, as it says here, um, he chose the reproach of Christ as being more valuable than being um, a pharaoh of Egypt. Mm. Um, so it was a beautiful illustration of what Jesus did. Jesus stepped down from the throne of the universe and became part of a despised race, you know, and born in a cow shed. And you imagine the step down that he took, but he, 
he did this gladly because he had such a love for the human race. Mm. You know, we could say in summary that, that Moses chose shame over fame. He did. And, and I like mm. that. And yeah, for good. this, he is an example of Jesus. And John, what is the key difference between what Moses did and what Jesus has done for us? As you said, Moses gave up fame and experienced shame. But Jesus not only experienced shame, we find that Jesus died on the cross. Mm. And so he, Moses did not do that. Mm -hmm. Jesus, as the Redeemer, gave himself to redeem us. He died so that we might live. Mm. Wonderful. Beautiful. And so knowing this, knowing that Jesus is our brother and redeemer, it, it would surely make us grateful and joyous and full of praise. And Mike, what then does God ask of us? OK, and he does ask a very simple response. Mm -hmm. Got to admit, this is easy. I mean, he, his statement in John 14, verse 15 is so simple and so clear. If you love me, he says, keep my commandments. Mm. Obediently follow me where I lead you. That's all he's saying. Um, we can do that. <laughs> Right, that is not a big ask. And, and by the way, it makes a lot of good sense. Mm. It really does. Yeah, that's true. You know, we've discussed already, you know, that the Hebrews, they, they suffered persecution. And what other messages, John, does the book of Hebrews have for Christians today? Same chapter, chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the, the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Mm. Once the redemption price had been paid, you were free. You had your possessions back. And so Jesus has already done that. And that's what Hebrews says. Our Redeemer is truly our Redeemer. Mm. And uh, just like the Hebrews may have needed to be reminded so we too need to remember that Christ has paid mm. the price for us. You know, when, if we return back to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, from the New Living Translation, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Why is the emphasis on flesh and blood important, Mike? Okay. He had, in other words, he had to become fully human. Mm. And this is a mystery. We don't understand how he can be fully human yet fully God at the same time. But that's the scripture. It's mm -hmm. very clear. Um, but he had to, he had in order to redeem us, um, be fully human in every sense of the word. You read verse 14. Um, I'm going to read verse 17 of mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter two. It says, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brothers, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people, that is to pay the price for the sins of the people. But he had to be made like us, um, it says, in all things. Um, so he was, he was fully human, all right. Mm. Um, he, he knew fatigue, uh, he, under he felt pain, uh, he felt thirst and hunger, um, he felt rejection, uh, he felt the need, the human need for human companionship that we've, it just goes on. Mm. So all the, the, the full, gamut of human emotions he experienced mm. as well, just like us. And so he, he was indeed in all things 
human mm. like us. Yeah. Mm. No, that's, that's incredible. You know, John, when we consider Jesus being just like us, made of flesh, made of blood, was there anything that was different that we could say compared with us? Hebrews makes it very plain. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, which we're not. Mm. Then the word harmless, but that actually means innocent, which we are not. Undefiled, which we are not. Separate from sinners? No, we are sinners. Mm. And Christ was all of that. And that made him a fitting high priest because back in chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, but without sin. Mm. The devil came to Jesus. There was no sin found in him. Mm. So then, Mike, this difference, how important actually is it? The difference? Mm. Okay. Um, It was important that we recognize that Jesus was not a sinner Mm. or he'd have needed a saviour. Sure. As we do. Um, So uh, not only did he not sin, he did not have that sin principle within him. I think that's the important Mm. point we're trying to make here. Um, It says, you know, know, the, the, the animal sacrifices were typical. That is, they were to illustrate Jesus. Mm-hmm. and what he would be like in his sacrifice. And you may recall that the lamb was to be without blemish. Like, um, it would not be a satisfactory symbol of Christ if it were, unless it was a, a perfect creature um, that was sacrificed. And it's telling us a lot about Jesus mm. and the fact that he was like that. Um, the one who was redeemed had to be able um, to redeem us and then represent us mm and to represent us in that sinless manner, not in the sinful manner. Mm. And so, look, there's a couple of scriptures I want to get to look at here. One of them is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20, because it illustrates the fact that it was that he had to pay a price for us. And uh, this will help those who have difficulty with understanding the atonement of, that Jesus made when he redeemed us on the cross. And on ver- in chapter 6, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians, it says, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought at a price. There was a price paid for our redemption. Our Redeemer paid a huge price, Mm -hmm. just as the Redeemers, the kinsman Redeemer had to do in the Old Testament, paid the the debt and set the people free, restore the land. Um, And it's interesting, isn't it? Our debt is the debt of sin. Mm. And and, um, we inherit the land, the earth, the new earth, uh, the poor... (laughs) Mm. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus made that promise. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? Mm. Um, There's another statement. It does say here you were bought at a price. What was the price? And that's made clear back in Acts chapter 20. And I think it's worth looking at that just for a moment. Acts 20 verse 28. And I want to go quickly to that and read it out for you. Acts 20, 28 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Mm. So it was his blood, which, of course, symbolized his death. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was th- that was the currency. Mm. He purchased us with his blood. Our Redeemer did that for us. Mm. It's incredible, incredible news. And so yeah. by Jesus being 
flesh and blood. It qualified him as our brother, as our you know, near kinsman redeemer. But John, what else did it qualify Jesus for? Hebrews 5 verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So it qualified him to become the high priest and it also qualified him to give gifts and it qualified him to make sacrifices for sin so that we would no longer be treated as sinners. And this is where he could be truly our kinsman Mm. and our brother. Mm. No, thank you, John. I want to read a a short verse in Hebrews 5 in verses 8 and 9. And the Bible says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So hear the importance of Jesus learning Mm. obedience. Mm. And verse 9 says, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And so it brings me the thought, Mike, of, okay, where does obedience come in for me? And so I I guess I want to ask, Mike, if it's important for Jesus, Mm. how important is obedience for us? Well, it was very very important for Jesus Mm -hmm. to start with. Um, it says he learned obedience by the things he suffered. This mm-hmm. doesn't, we should not think that that's implying that he was disobedient. Mm-hmm. He just learned the depth of what obedience was going to cost him and it was going to cost him the death of the, on the cross, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and um, by the same token, where we're, in, we're encouraged also to be obedient and you want to be if you're a follower mm-hmm. of Christ and uh, you want to, to serve God. And sometimes it's going to be hard as it was hard for Jesus to go to the cross. We should not think it was an easy thing for him to do. It was not. Mm. And sometimes we'll have to make decisions to do things or not to do things that will make it difficult for us. Mm. Um, But we're to do it nonetheless. There's a principle here. We need to stand firm and buy that. Mm. No, thank you. And we're seeing the centrality of Jesus in the book of Hebrews. And I want to read also in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus. That's, that's it. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, John, what does it mean to look unto Jesus? We are in a world of suffering. Christ was made perfect through suffering. Mm. And here the devil treats us in the same way and we are actually perfected. And so we share with Christ and he shares with us the problems in this world. Mm. I mean, what a wonderful brother to have. It is, it is. You know, when we consider this, it truly is a message of hope and Mm. purpose for us as well to know this. Jesus is the divine Lord, creator and sustainer. Not only that, he is also our human high priest who understands from experience all the suffering that humans can experience. But more amazingly, as our Redeemer, he is also our merciful and faithful near kinsman brother. He provides us with power to endure trials and afflictions with joy as we look to his soon return. Today, we invite you to accept Jesus as your saviour. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 
3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.